Hello, Date Night fam. Tony and Bree back with you recording live. Live. From the Mission Bible headquarters here HQ. in sunny Orange County, California. <laughs> I love living here. <laughs> it is a nice November. Is it December now? Yeah, beautiful out there. Californians get a hard time, but you know what? Darker the night, the brighter the light, as yes. they say. I actually was going to share something on that, by the way. Yeah. We are still sorting out details on this. And so people, please don't hold my feet to the fire. This all could change. But it looks like possibly March 11th, we're going to have Ray Comfort, Mark Spence, and the whole Living Waters crew here to do a one-day conference on evangelism, apologetics. It's in the early stages, so no promises, but block off March 11th. Lord willing, it's going to be a great year of gospel witness in California. That is so exciting. It is. It just fires me up to see Christians being Christians and taking the sword of truth and holding out the hope of Christ. And on that note, we have a really gospel-centered pod today. Oh, I like what you did there. It was yeah. a great transition. You it ready? is a gospel-centered pod today. Yes, it is. Are you <laughs> I'm, ready? I'm ready. Ethan, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, well, hey, we thought it would be really nice to have the one and only Mr. Dr. John Piper kick us off today. I know, can you believe this? So we're going to welcome, you know, John Piper into the podcast today. We're going to turn it over to John and really let him set up our topic. And so, hey, Mr. Piper, sir, why don't you go ahead and just kick us off? What do you think? So I invite you to get inside God. I love that. Inside his history, where he reveals himself for your good. He wants you to know the whole God. Not a little skinny God, not a little thin God, not a little granddaddy God. The whole massive universe sustaining and ruling God. That'll get you through. That'll bring you to glory. That'll help you be unashamed when you stand before him and catch your breath. Mm. <laughs> I love that is that. so good. Hey, and and by the way, in case you know, like my wife, we fooled you. John Piper's not really here. Did yeah. you notice that, honey? Yes, okay. I did. All but right. there is something so wonderful about his voice that just makes my heart so soft. It is I... grandfatherly, mm-hmm. a shepherd, and just so everyone knows, in that clip on YouTube, his arms are flailing in all their glory. He I is love preaching his, his heart out. Yes, yes. Um, in case that wasn't clear, we're going to be talking about God and specifically how to. Try Trust God, especially in the hard times. And, and we're thinking this is probably going to be a two-parter because there's just so much we want to cover, and we're really not going to even be able to scratch the surface. And so on that note, if you want to go deeper, there are incredible sermons on the glory of God by John Piper, obviously John MacArthur, and others. Um, there's also a game-changing book by Jerry Bridges titled Trusting God. So good. Yes. And we're going to be pulling a lot from that book. So If anything that we're saying today strikes a chord with you, go out and grab the book. And I think as you work your way through it, actually, I know, I don't think you will be blessed. Yes. And you picked a fun button for this I did. I thought it just felt like a big God button. Okay. So we'll try. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Let me give context. Okay. The other night we were on a date. Uh, date night, by the way, and we were discussing topics for the holiday, and we were just listening them all out. You know, Bree and I were sitting there, and we were like, "You remember this was family resentment, loneliness, depression, anxiety." Fine, just like what would fit for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And let me just pause there. Side note: the world machinery right now—it's just a full-on commercial machine of discontent. 
And the whole idea, just make sure we're all clear on this. I tell people at church this all the time. The whole idea is just to keep you unhappy and dissatisfied so you'll spend more what? Money. More money. That's it. And so we were talking about all that. And then it hit me. Underneath everything, all this, all the concerns, the loneliness, the doubt, the envy, the jealousies, you know, the greed, it's a is a massive theological issue, kind of like an iceberg under the surface. And that's our lack of trusting God. Yes. And so basically, all of the emotional challenges we endure around the holidays are rooted in the challenge of not trusting God. Yeah. And so after all the talking and praying and thinking, I thought, you know, what better way to start the holiday season than just slowing down and doing a couple weeks on God and how we can trust him. And and even if, and actually when our Christmases don't look the way that we thought they would or the Hallmark movies or whatever new Candace Mm -hmm. Cameron Burr channel there is now, you know, we're going to be at peace because we know God. Yes. So how should we break this up? Well, let's do the problem today. And I don't know how long that'll take. We probably can get through it pretty quick. And then we can answer, you know, the why it's so hard to trust God. And then let's go ahead and then either if we don't get to it today, come back next week with the answers. So let's do this today. We'll do learning to trust, kind of a short section. Another short section, why it's easier to obey often than trust. Mm. And then another short section on three essential truths to trust. And then we'll just close with the basics of providence, which really is the overarching systematic theology under which trust exists. And I'll keep all the big words to a minimum. Will you keep all your big words to a minimum? Oh yeah. I know that. That'll be easy for me. Okay, here we go. Learning to trust God, part one. We know this can be really hard. Let's cue the chorus. All right. Well, let's just get straight to it. Learning to trust God is hard for most of us. Yes, it is. I don't know that I've ever met someone, even mature saints, who said it was easy. And in our marriage, it's been something we've discussed repeatedly over the years. Yeah, it is. And every once in a while, you'll come across someone who seems to have the gift of faith from a young age. But let me just say this. That's always forged from the fires of affliction. You can mark my words on that. When you meet someone, you ever meet someone and they have a real trust in God and they just seem to, you know, they, their eyes are on heaven and they are, whatever hits, hits them, they just keep walking and plowing forward, you know, often on their knees with their chin up. It's not fly-by-night chance. That is built by walking closely with God, right? It's thinking about First John when he talks about the fact that the young children are just, uh, you know, they're able to call God Father, And then the idea that the young men are the ones who know their doctrine and they're abiding in the word and they're walking in the faith and they're walking in righteousness. But it's actually the older men, the older fathers in the faith, the spiritually mature, who really know God. They've walked with him. They know how he works, how he thinks, what he's doing in their life. Uh, And that just happens through tough seasons. That's where it comes from. So why is learning to trust God so difficult? I think for starters, it's the depth of our questions. I mean, that would Mm -hmm. be number one. It's just the depth of our questions. We're humans. And we're so finite, you know that, our, our lives are short, mm-hmm. our knowledge is so limited. I mean, the older we get, <laughs> I don't know how you feel, I'm like, man, I'm realizing all I don't know. Yes. Our perspectives are earthly, our flesh, unreading flesh is stricken, our relationships often are clunky. And when we're introduced to God, you know, first by observing creation and then ultimately through the scriptures, we're forced to our knees with these massive um, epistemological questions, right? You promise no $10 words. Oh, epistemological? You just mean deep questions of knowledge. Yes, okay. deep questions of knowledge. And, and and they're the staple questions of human reason. We all ask them, right? Does God actually control it all? What's he doing when things get tough? Does he really promise to save those who seek him? You know, he, he, people say, the Bible says he delivers me in the day of trouble. Where is he? I'm in the day of trouble, right? Mm, and obviously those are assuming a biblical worldview. Oh, of course, right? The atheistic rationalist or deist or whatever you want to say isn't asking those questions, at least through that lens. But mm-hmm. our, our worldview and our date night family 
prayerfully, everyone out there listening, has already consented to the fact that, number one, there's a God, that God, number two, has communicated in many portions and in many ways and in these last days through his son, and then he left us his word, and we hear that called the big word presupposition. It's just the idea that we believe that in faith. The Holy Spirit, as Calvin said, has illumined us to that fact, and then all the issues of reason come subsequent to that. And so our questions don't operate at least for us as Bible-believing Christians, so much in the who do we trust him? We know who that is through the word, but more it's just in the how do we trust him? What's the application of that? Does that kind of make sense? Got it. So is there anything else that makes it hard? Okay. So yeah, number one is the depth of questions. Sorry, I kind of going off on a rant there. No number problem. two um, is the diversity of our crises. That makes it hard too. And, and I'm going to just throw it back to you. Everyone always wants to hear more from you anyway. Okay. So you know this better than most. And Date Night Family, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but just a little bit of a, a contextual history. You know, Bree went through, has been through some pretty serious autoimmune issues. Um, it was way back when our son Ezekiel was born eight years ago or so in the hospital. I remember, you know, the doctors came in and said, hey, our blood levels are dropping. There's no more transfusions we can do. There's really nothing else. And they actually were saying, like, if this last transfusion doesn't work, um, it it might end poorly. And I remember going to the window and kind of praying like, Lord, I can't raise three children on my own. And, you know, the Lord was gracious. Uh, Bree survived the pregnancy, uh, but it's some rare autoimmune thing. We still don't really know for sure what it is. You know, her hair was falling out for a while. She was losing weight. She was bedridden and all that. She doesn't like me talking about her. But anyway, so that's the context. And so when I say things like, you know, Bree knows better than most. I really mean that. We all have a diversity of crisis. We're getting hit from different angles in different ways. In fact, do you want to jump in and speak to that? Sure. Um, the book, again, Trusting God, has helped me so much really understand this more. But I'd break it up into categories. First would be personal pain. It's a big one. And like you just mentioned, part of our human condition is physical suffering. Mm -hmm. And like you always say in your sermons, unless the Lord returns, we're all headed for a car accident or a terminal illness. So either way, <laughs> that's, true. that's how it ends. That's and one or the other. Yeah. Come I just, Lord Jesus. Yeah. I think for the ladies, I meet with uh, the complexities of cancer and infertility, miscarriages force these questions. Uh, second would be relational pain. It's another one. And this one can hurt more than the physical because there's something about the heart wounds of divorce and rejection or betrayal or even a child's rebellion that again forces those deep questions. Third, financial pain. It's another big one. And this is touching people right now, like the loss of a business or a home or savings and even finding it hard to just put food on the table can make us question God. And lastly would be social pain. That is also a big one. I mean, we're all scrolling the news feed and the world evil just keeps growing. So poverty, politics, and civil divides can also bring those deep questions. So number one, personal pain. Number two, relational pain. Number three, financial pain. Number four, social pain. And then, you know, you, you could get hit by one or, or multiple of those at mm -hmm. any given time, right? So both the depth of our questions and the diversity of our crises are what can make it super hard to trust God. And I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. I would imagine that all of you listening, you know, every every one of our date night family are going, yeah, that's, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, so let's even go to a deeper level. And then in just a second here, we're going to cue our chorus again. But this is going to surprise a few people. And this was kind of an aha moment, I know, for you and me. Um, but if we all think about it, we all have to admit it's true. It's often easier to obey God than trust God. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. round yeah. three. 
Do you remember the first time you heard that concept or read that concept? Yes, yes. Let me do the quick setup and then Tone can explain. So obeying it, obeying is worked out within defined boundaries. And the big word for this is prescriptive will of God, which just means that he gave us the prescription in the Bible. Uh, like a doctor gives a patient and said, here's the fences, here's what to do, not to do. But here's where it gets interesting because while being is worked out within clear boundaries, trusting is worked out with any, without any noticeable boundaries. And we call this the decorative will of God, which just means that God has decreed how all will turn out literally from eternity past to eternity future, but it's his secret. And we we don't have all the details. Okay, so let me, that was so beautifully said, as always, my love. Let me zoom out real quick and make sure we have all this in our mind, okay? Yes. So this section, it'll be really brief, but it's just helping us all to come to grips with the fact that it's easier often to obey God than to trust God. Mm-hmm. And that is really, have been, has been an aha moment for me. I know it has for you as well. And what you're saying is, is that the, the background to that is we have the prescriptive will of God. That's what he has put in his word. It's black and white. It's right there for us to read. There's also what we often call the decreed will of God, the idea that um, there's a whole lot we can't see, and he's decreed it by his sovereign choice. And so obedience of the prescribed will of God, the written word, is often easier than just trusting in his decreed will, what he has determined but we don't know about. Yes, both are equally important. Yes, it's just as important to trust as it is to obey. I mean, that's the old song we teach our kids, right? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy. Okay, all right, you don't want to sing with me? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, true obedience is only going to come from from trust. I mean, anything other than that would end up just being cold legalism or doing things out of meritocracy or rote. So trust is key to this. Can you explain that? What, why is trust so key? Because when I disobey, I defy God's holiness. And I think everyone knows that. If you disobey, you're defying God's holiness. But when I distrust him, when I, I don't believe that he has my best in mind, I doubt his goodness. Okay? And either one of those is casting an aspersion on his character. Um, when I don't trust God and trust his decree and trust his will and trust his sovereignty to accomplish that will, I'm ultimately saying, although it may be unintentional and it may be subconscious, but what I'm ultimately saying is, Lord, you're not good. Mm. I believe that you, you, you might know my best, um, but I don't believe you're willing my best. And you may even have issues with sovereignty. I don't believe that you have the power to accomplish my best. I just really don't trust your goodness. That's heavy stuff. I still remember when we were in college and I was crying about some hard things that mm-hmm. had happened growing up. Um, that had to do with my biological dad, not my uh, stepdad. Not your Everyone stepdad, knows now that I love and consider dad. as yep. my true father, but my biological father had hurt my mom, ran out on us girls, and I was still carrying all those questions. And I'm not sure if you remember this. I do remember this. Yes. After church one night, you had me write some things down on a rock, and we prayed, and then we walked over to that dark field by church and tossed tossed it in the field, and like I was handing it all to the Lord. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't hit anybody. Yes. Can you imagine? Me too. Let's pray. <laughs> And then we throw it now. Oh, <laughs> I was just coming to, to be at church with my friends. Someone hit me with a rock. Oh, but we were trying to be spiritual. Yeah. I mean, you and I, as far as I remember, and you, you have to help me with this. I don't think you ever carried those particular things again. It was like the beginning of, you know, being able to let go of certain things. And I also would say, looking back now, and most of us don't always get these beautiful moments, but you would say that now you can see how the Lord used those trials to strengthen you. 100%. Um, You know, but that right there is really what we're talking about. It's hard to trust God. There are certain, you know, 
times in our life where it's easier to actually obey him than it is to trust him. And that really sets up perfectly for us the next section, okay? So in the Bible, there are three truths that guide our trust of God. And next week or later on, probably next week in podcast number two, part number two, we'll get to the biblical backing for all of these, but we want to make sure they're in front of you, kind of the big picture perspective. And so here we go with section number three. So this is just a really quick overview, yes, right? Yes, because we'll cover them from Scripture next time. But it's important we get them in our mind, just so we're all kind of heading the same direction. Awesome. So these are what Jerry Bridges calls the triangle of trust. Yes, the triangle of trust. It sounds like something <laughs> from the Godfather movie. Hey, come on over. Join a man. The triangle of trust. The three oh, essential. I know. I know. Okay. Uh, you're the Italian. Let's see what you got. Oh, no. Back on track. So <laughs> here's the triangle of trust. First, God is completely sovereign. And we'll talk about this next week, but it just means he has all authority. Second, God is infinitely wise, and this means he knows all things. And lastly, God is perfectly loving, meaning he's truly good and wants ultimate good. So let me boil that down so it's memorable. In his love, he wills our best. In his wisdom, he knows our best. And in his sovereignty, his power will do our best. That's the triangle of trust. And once it clicks that this is the God, even better, our Heavenly Father that you serve, and that these truths are inserted on virtually every page of Scripture, that will 100% change everything. Which leads to our last category. Ah, the providence of God. Yes, the providence of God. Here we go. I think that is such an awkward transition button. Oh, it's still great. Okay. All right. Live and learn. (laughs) So, in theology, everything that we've just discussed typically fits under a heading called the providence of God. Okay. Now, before everyone clicks out and they're like, oh, here, here we go with the big words, we promise no $10 words or boring rants on this. It's just important to have these basics in mind. So if you want to throw this next section on double speed and just give us three minutes and that's fine. Yeah. And all the world word providence means is how God intervenes in our daily human affairs. And here's kind of an official definition taken from the big systematic theology books. Providence is God's constant care for and absolute rule over all his creation for his glory and his people's good. Good. And here's the reason that this is important. Let me read that again, okay? Providence is God's constant care for and absolute rule over all his creation for his glory and his people's good, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, here's the reason that's important, and it sets up our, our pod for next week. Our view or our understanding of providence is typically one of the areas that we mess up the most in our Christian faith, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right? Now, I'm going to use you and me as an example. Example, mistake number one, all right? This is like Brie and, Brie and I. How often have we, over the years, my love, only used the term providence in connection with good events? Totally. Most of the time, I remember even just saying, my tire was flat and providentially we found a gas station. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, my tire was flat and providentially the guy came out with, what is it, a crowbar or whatever it is. Is that a crowbar? I think so. Yeah, the tire iron. I don't know. I'm not, good to me. I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> and when was the last time, here's the flip question, that we ever used the term providence in relation to a bad circumstance? Mm. Hey, there was an earthquake and providentially our home fell over, right? Never. Never. And this is the key as we get into this. Our mistake number one naturally leads to a big mistake number two. And that's the way we view providence. It implies that God only intervenes at special points, 
like he's kind of a spectator most of the time. And we're really masters of our own fate. By the way, that's called deism. Mm -hmm. And he only steps in for the big good things. And I'm not saying we believe that, we would ever openly state that, but subconsciously, that's where many Christians actually are. Yes, and that's why the final part of the definition is so important. Yes, so let me read it again. God's constant care for and absolute absolute rule over all of his creation, now here's the, the object, ready, for his glory and his people's good. Now, very important, we notice two things there. Number one, he says all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing outside of his plan. Good, good, bad, ugly, big, or small. Okay, that's important. But number two is the twofold objective. It's his glory and our good. There's always, there, those two things are always in harmony. They're always bound. They're never antithetical. There's never going to be one thing that happens on earth or eternity that's his glory and our bad or our good at his expense. It's always going to be his glory and our good. And all the universe and all creatures for all time will one day point back and say, yes, he's the one that receives all the glory. And then his chosen people are the ones who are most satisfied in Amen. him. Amen. And that's the banner of providence under which we begin to answer the tough questions. Can I trust him? Yes. yes. Is he trustworthy? Yes. And is he capable? Yes. See, and that right there is what deserves the final hallelujah. <laughs> My wife is singing. My wife is singing. This is amazing. Sing for us. Oh, no. Hallelujah. No one would ever So anyway, so what we'll do now, with all that in mind, that's kind of big picture stuff, okay? So make sure everyone has it in the mind. I want you to make sure you realize that sometimes obeying is easier than trusting, but there's all these reasons that it's hard to trust. And at the end of the day, there's these three essential truths. We call them the triangle of trust, and they come back to the attributes of who God is. I want you to have all that in your mind, and we want you to have all that in your mind. So what we'll do is next time we'll come together, and we're just going to pour forth all the scriptural proofs for those particular truths. And you're going to be able to walk away with such confidence, and we're all going to be able to walk away with such confidence as we head into our Christmas holiday, knowing that no matter what's happening, um, no matter what's happening in our life with finances or with the kids or with crisis, no matter what's going on with our family and our relatives, at the end of the day, we're going to be able to trust that God is sovereign, that he knows our name, he knows the hairs on our head, and he's got a perfect plan for our life. And we're truly going to be able to trust God. Let's pray. Father, we are floored again by both your grandeur and your mercy, and that the God, you of transcendent holiness and truth, would condescend and come down to your puny creatures and show such love that your son Christ would not only buy us out of the hellfire, but also walk us step by step to glory, preparing us for an eternal worship and service. So please grow our trust in your power, in your wisdom, and in your goodness, knowing that what you have begun, you are faithful to complete. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Deep Night fam, Lord willing, we will be back with another Holiday Trusting God pod in 160 short hours. Thanks to the wonderful people of Mission Bible, Ethan, our producer. Have a Merry Christmas. Keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Hallelujah. (laughs)